Thank you, praise team. Appreciate all you do and all the effort. While we're finishing up our all-in series, and in a few minutes, Ryan and Mario are going to share with us kind of the details of the campaign and what we're, we're trying to, to accomplish. And we've been talking about big dreams, and I've been talking about my big dreams. Some of you follow me on Facebook, and you can see that I'm starting to plot along, and, and uh, my, my dream of qualifying for the Boston Marathon. And so I'm starting to do my mileage and do different things to try to get in shape. Now, this isn't an immediate goal. This is a three-year campaign for me as well. Uh, praise the Lord. And, and if I'm, I've invited you to dream big, too. And, and many of you have shared uh, the dreams that God's laid on your heart. And, and I, I believe it's important that we explore these because I believe sometimes these dreams that God lays on our hearts invite us to have the mind of a child and think like a child and put our faith in him. If, if he can help us accomplish these things, that, then maybe we can accomplish more in him than we even can begin to imagine. And, and so I've invited you to begin to, to think in that way and I'd invite you to continue to do that and to, to share those things. We, we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God, Right. And, and, and families, we encourage each other. You know, that's, that's one of the things I love about my earthly family. My earthly family has always encouraged me along the way. I, I've never received discouragement, however God's letter or called me. And I think that should happen here as well. And so as we dream these things, I'd encourage you to share with one another, to share with the church, and, and we want to encourage you along. But we believe God has big dreams for his people. And we believe that God has big dreams for this church, uh, that, that this church, God's not finished with this church. God still has a desire for this church. There's things that God wants to accomplish. And we've been using Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is my life verse, too. This, this is the verse after I went into the ministry that, that helped me understand what, what I believe as I understand sanctification, what God is doing in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I see this laid out in Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Other translations say this is your reasonable act of worship. And, and, and I, like, I like the reasonable in there uh, better because what, what Paul's doing here is he's saying, in light of all that God's done, in light of what Christ has done on the cross, in light of the love of God, the only reasonable thing we can do is give ourselves in reckless abandon to him and say, whatever you want to do with my life, God, it's okay. Amen. And he could leave it there. Paul could say, in light of God's great love, therefore, because of God's great love, because of what Christ did on the cross, all we should do, all we can reasonably do, is give our life completely to him. And he could have left that verse, that thought right there, and been correct. But then Paul moves on. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, we're being shaped by the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you, do you hear what Paul's saying? In light of God's love, give yourself fully to him. Give yourself fully to him and you really begin to experience God's love in full. God's love, God's 
plan for us, God's mission for us, God's purpose for us, God's plan to give us meaning in life brackets our giving of ourselves as living sacrifices. And so we've been looking at this through three words, invited, involved, and invested. And in the first week we talked about invited, and our invitation is based on our desire for more. In other words, it's not that we're qualified to receive God's blessings, but God has poured our blessings, his blessings out, and all we have to do is want it. That's pretty good, right? Don't, don't you wish that you could get a million dollars just by wanting it, right? You know, a million dollars is nothing compared to God. And basically, God says, if you want me, if you really, really want me, here I am. What do you want this morning? If you were to answer that question truthfully, if God could give you the one desire of your heart, what would that one desire be? You know, God invites us, God invites us to pray for the desires of our heart, and I think He wants to be the desire of our hearts. <laughs> You've been invited, and He wants us to be involved. And we looked at Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10, I believe, and then He wants all of us to be involved. I, I, don't, I think everyone in this room, God has a place and a desire for you to be involved. I know sometimes we push back from being involved, but, but God wants us to be involved. And particularly in our culture, involvement is not a great word at times. And then last week, we talked about investment. We talked about investing in the kingdom. And we can spend our lives or we can invest our lives. And, and are we just spending or are we investing? And when we fully invest in God, we find real life. And, and today we're just going to kind of some closing thoughts. And, and I want to be brief because I want to give Ryan and Mara space to share. And I'm excited to hear them. I tell you, I'm so proud of them. And I, what, what a tremendous young couple they are. I, I mean, they, they're, they're just top, top, top drawer. And uh, you have so many people in this church that are so amazing but we're going to look at the, just a, for a few minutes at the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul, of course, was this, this persecutor of the church that became this spokesman for the church. You know, the lesson of Paul's life is there's no lost causes. You realize that? There's no lost causes in God. Paul writes in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 1, one of my favorite passages. How many has got like 9,000 favorite passages in the Bible? Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself might have such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But ever was profit was to my profit, I now considered loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may, may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving toward the goal to win the prize, towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whew. You know, Paul's writing this from prison. <laughs> I've not arrived yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect yet. God's not done with me yet. And I'm just pressing on full speed ahead. I am all in for God. Earlier in chapter 3 of Philippians, I believe it's chapter 3, Paul writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, in Paul's life, he, he, he's learned this ideal that, that, that all these other things don't really matter. And, and the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. And, and life is found in Christ and nothing else matters. Powerful statement. I, I wonder how would you answer? Fill in the blank. For me to live is... You know, I can think of all the things I've filled that blank with over the years. And, and even now, I'm tempted to fill the blank with, with this, with different things. You know, family. Family's great, right? Work. Money. Leisure. There's all sorts of words that, 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 that come into mind and you think, for, my, for me to live is... Paul says, for him to live is Christ. Nothing else matters. He's all in. Can we combine what we read earlier, the longer passage and the shorter passage I gave you? Paul saying, you know, considering all these things, all the things I've experienced in life, and even some really good religious things, you know, all my Judaism, all my background, all my family life, all my culture, all these things that were geared towards God. And you realize, even though Paul was incorrectly directed, he was striving after God. Considering all these things, it's all garbage compared to the surpassing joy of knowing Christ Jesus all in contrary to family, friendships, work, and joy. <laughs> See, I think that sometimes that's the fear that we have. 
Amen? I mean, sometimes the fear that we have is, man, if I really go all in for God, I'm going to have to give up all these other things. You know, it's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my leisure time. It's going to affect how much fun I can have. If you're a Christian and you're all in and you still have fun, laugh, roll out, okay? Well, there are a few of you. <laughs> Say amen. amen. You can laugh in the church, okay? Ryan, next week I want a laugh track back there so they can know when to laugh, okay? You know, being all in is not contrary to family. It's not contrary to friendship. It's not contrary to work. It's not contrary to joy. To, to be all in is to find life in all things through Jesus Christ. In, in other words, we, we achieve, people achieve some level of joy in their family and in their work and in pleasure. They, they, they achieve some level of life in relationships. Relationships, all that matters. I don't care who you are but they achieve some level of life in relationships, but somehow through Christ, the level of that relationship is raised. <laughs> now, I don't know how, how much I agree with this, but, but Bonhoeffer suggests that we can't even really begin to love until we know Jesus. <laughs> that, that, that somehow it's in seeing Jesus and how he loves that we learn what it means to love. And so there can be no real connection between father and son and mother and daughter and parent and child and brother and sister and husband and wife, but through Christ provides that real connection. You can disagree with that, but you want, but Bonhoeffer's pretty serious as a theologian. Your church matters. This place matters. God has placed you here for a reason. I don't believe there's accidents in the kingdom of God, but God has finally appointed this time and we're here and, and, and God is speaking to us. What could happen if we went all in together? It's not about who's not here, it's about who's here. What could happen if we went all in together? What would happen in our church? What would happen in our family? What would happen in our community? See, I just believe that God can turn communities upside down with churches this size that are all in together. Last month, we were, um, as we were getting ready for this campaign, and our, before our board meeting, I was in my reading, I came across this passage, and, and it, it just, it kind of struck me. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, the prophet says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Here we go, that water theme again. You know, in a lot of ways, this is crazy talk. You know, forget the past. You know, it's crazy thought for a historian. And, and you know, because as an historian, what we're, ta we're taught to forget history is to repeat history, Right? That, that we're, we need to remember history. I love history. And God commands them over and over to remember. 
And yet Isaiah 43, let's read the, the passages before. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. In other words, God's saying, I am the God who parted the Red Sea. Pretty cool, right? Forget that. Forget that. Don't dwell on the past. You know, I think about my life, and we were singing these songs this morning, and um, I don't know, I was just going through my mind, my, my life as a follower of Jesus. And, and I can remember, I can remember I grew up in small Nazarene churches. On Wednesday night, it was like the Mills family and two or three others were gathered in the name of God, right? I mean, there, there was like eight or nine. My third grade Sunday school teacher was my third grade teacher in school. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I, I have such fond memories of growing up in the church. No negative memories, but just fond memories. Now, now we had been at a church that was a little bit more exuberant in their praise, if that's a, a way to phrase And we used to love to go to that church just to watch the, the floor show. I guess it wasn't a floor, but they would actually run the aisles. Anybody ever see anybody run the aisles? It's amazing when they run the aisles like this and their eyes are up and their hands, hands are up, their eyes are closed. You know, we were always waiting for the collision at the front, right? When they were crossing. I mean, great memories of God moving, people loving me. And, and then, then we were at St. Paul's Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City, Missouri. And St. Paul's was more of a high church, if you know what I mean. And man, they would sing, and can it be? And they would get to the third verse of And Can It Be and Thine Eyes Diffused. You know the verse, I'm not gonna sing it. Quickening rate, my chains fell off and whoo, that church would go crazy. There was was a family there that had been stuck in a drug lifestyle for years and years in the 70s and and they had been freed and that mom's hands would go up and she would praise God when we would talk about his eyes diffusing this ray and chains falling off. And it was my youth group and we were all over the, the United States traveling and serving. And I thought, whoa, that was a great time. And I got out of college and I went to Vandalia and my brother was pastoring at Vandalia. And Vandalia had just this awesome move of God. I mean, it, it went from like 175 to about 400 in about two or three years. It's like nothing I've ever seen. People were just getting saved right and left and coming into the church. It was this great move of God. And, 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 you know, my brother was the pastor. Let me tell you, once you sit under family members, you can't sit under anybody else. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, Dylan complains all the time. I say, Dylan, it's just the way it is. Dad's always better than anybody else. Not that I am, but, you know, a kid. Man, my brother was awesome. He, is the, he was the best pastor I've ever sat under. It was great. Then, then we, Terry and I got married and we ended up at Tri-County Nazarene and Tri-County was not high church. It was more, <laughs> the man, they could worship, they could sing. Dan and Darlene. Dan would always end um, Amazing Grace with when the battle's over. 
You know, and they'd sing and they'd be all happy and excited and, and, and preach the gospel. And God called me into the ministry and, oh, what a time. And I left the practice of the law and started serving in that church. And, and then I went to Trenton and it was awesome. God moved. And we had times where just worship times and times of service. And, you know, I can't begin to describe all the times of service in different places. You know, on a mountaintop in Guatemala with people with arms that have been half hacked off by machetes, praising God, serving communion together. Churches that, that were a fourth of this size with 400 people stuffed in. God moving. And then here. You know, I've watched God move and, and I've seen him move in so many different ways. And, you know, we'll sing songs like, so will I, and, and I'll feel his presence and it'll almost knock me down. That, that song we sang today, the beautiful name of Jesus. We go to Uptown Friday night and I watch Nancy and Rodney paint hundreds of faces lined up and I see God moving. And see, the problem is, we can get so caught up in those things. We can get so caught up in what's happened that we can miss what God is doing. Now, when we discount these days, you may be discounting someone else's glory days. <laughs> And I think what Isaiah is saying is he's saying, don't get so caught up in the past that you can't see me today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that God of yesterday and that God of tomorrow is here today and he's calling us for one thing. Be all in for me because I'm all in for you. I'm going to invite Ryan and Marta to, to come and share and then we're going to close in communion, Ryan and Marta. Give them a hand as they're coming. Well, good morning. I have to admit, when Pastor Paul first kind of brought this up to us and asked us to do it, I mean, yeah, there was so many, so many reasons that we could have said, now is not the right time. Look at how little our kids are. You guys have seen the craziness that is our three children that run around. Um, but the more we thought about it, the more we both just kept talking about how like, we are just really feeling like this is um, exactly where God's calling us to serve right now. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we were in Myrtle Beach visiting my sister, and the whole way down there, I don't know, I just felt this... Um, stirring in my spirit. I just could feel God kind of pushing me to something new. And I, I did not understand it. I felt Ryan had just started doing AV team. I'm so happy to serve on praise team and serve in our children's department. And I just didn't understand why is he just prompting me over and over again? There's something new. There's something different. And I'm talking to Ryan and I'm thinking, what, what could this be? What, what, what more could we be doing? What could we be doing differently? Are we being called to step back from things? Just wh where, where is this coming from? And I feel like it was right after we got back from vacation that all of a sudden Pastor Paul mentioned that he thought Ryan would be a really good guy to, to head this campaign. And I'm like, oh, I totally agree. And he goes, yeah, and you right there beside him. Oh, okay. 
at least then I was like, well, thanks for the heads up. Like I knew in that moment that this, this was exactly what I was supposed to say yes to. I felt like he had been priming us that whole time. And I've prayed for years for something to come along that Ryan and I could, um, serve together in. I feel like our giftings are, are different. We make such a great team, at least in my opinion, but we are, we're, we're gifted and we um, have passions for different things. And so it just, it's been really amazing to see this come together as something that we can do together. So we, we choose to serve in our church. We love you guys. Uh, many of you have known me since I was practically in high school. I started coming here just fresh out of high school. Ryan and I met in um, Amy's basement. Um, we started dating. We were married here in this church. And this is where we, we want to raise our kids. We love you guys. We love this church. And um, we refuse to believe that this church has seen its glory days. And we are, we are building an eternal kingdom. And so why does our church have to have a lifespan like that? So as we look out in our community, I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to look very far to see that there are lost people, they are hurting. I mean, they are in our families, they're in our neighborhoods, they are in our communities. And I am just feeling, and I know I've talked to so many people who are feeling that too, that God is just really calling us out of this building. Like we want to think about this as our training facility, we are getting equipped and he wants to send us out. So um, that's what so much of this campaign comes down to. These people, they matter to God. They matter to us. I mean, we want to adopt his vision, his, um, his vision for those people and for our church. So I feel like um, the major goal here is that we want to really think about investing in that next generation. Um, lots of the improvements that were done here were done almost a generation ago. And so I feel like we need to be looking forward and um, securing that. I want my kids to grow up in this church. I want my kids to grow up and serve in this church. Um, and for that to happen, we need to really accept that God has a bigger plan for us than, than what we are doing already. So what's this going to look like? For us all to be all in, that means all of us, every single person here. I mean, the, um, the trap of comparison can just freeze you into doing nothing. So if you are comparing yourself or thinking, I can't do that, I'm gifted here, I just want to invite you to surrender that to God. He does not want you to look at the people beside you and think about what they're doing. He wants something bigger for you. So we want to all be committed in unity to the same vision, that vision that God has for our church to be a beacon in our community, a place where lost people come and they feel, they feel like they've found home. They don't need to clean up. They don't need to change because we love them because God loves them. So we want to focus on being all in for our families. It starts with those family units, our marriages, our families. Um, we want to invest in those relationships. Uh, as our families are strong, we also have that energy to invest in our church. Our church is involved in so many programs. We've got VBS coming up, which is such an uh, amazing time in the summer. So we want to be making sure that we are using those programs. We are being part of those. And then we're also reaching out and being all in for our community. And all in, I mean, it means all in. We are laying down the things that we want. We are laying down some of our hopes and dreams because we know that gods are bigger and better. So throughout this, we're focusing, these are kind of the three words that I felt like as we prepared and as we talked, these are kind of the three words that God just kept bringing up. Like that word in, and I love, I don't even know what that's called, like where you kind of have that repetition. So these three words, the invited, involved, invested, I feel like that kind of um, explains the journey that so many of us have gone on. We have to understand that invitation and know that it is not because of anything that we've done, that we've received that invitation. It is because God loves us immeasurably more than we can imagine. And so as we receive and understand that that invitation is stands to all of us, the table is big enough for everyone, we can then extend that to people around us. We want our church to be a place where everyone 
comes in and they feel immediately like they belong. They have a seat in our service. They have a smiling face beside them. They have a Sunday school class they can go to, a small group that is open to them. We want this to be a place where people belong. So the challenge is if you've found that place and you feel like you belong here, then you need to encourage people beside you. Bring others along beside you. Show them where you're involved. Show them where you're um, where you even go to Sunday school. I mean, that sounds so silly, but sometimes if a face beside you, you don't recognize them, it's okay to invite them to your Sunday school class. They might not know where our classrooms are, which brings us to another um, improvement we're going to do with some signage down the road. So um, after we've accepted that invitation, um, there's kind of, there's that pressing to go deeper. Um, Every one of us has unique talents. We have gifts. We have life experiences. And those believe me, are powerful kingdom-building tools. You have different giftings than I do. You have different experiences than I do. And God can use them. He can redeem every situation and use it for his glory. So all of these experiences, all these gifts, they position us uniquely to serve. So as we are open and as we are asking God, where do you want me? I really believe he will put um, places in your mind. He will put ideas in your heart. So um, one way that you can truly go all in and be involved is to adopt a mindset. We have two services. We need between 45 and 50 volunteers every Sunday. And that seems like a huge number. And um, a lot of people are pulling double duty, triple duty. We have people that are here from 7.30 in the morning till 12.30. So if you, um, we'd really encourage you to adopt a mindset where you are attending one service, you're getting fed, you're kind of getting here, you're getting trained, and then you're willing to serve in the next service. That will free up some of those volunteers then to um, be in here in service. So we have two services. You're not really going to miss anything by serving in one and attending another. So you can also try out some positions. I know Pastor Kim would be happy if anyone wanted to come in and shadow a preschool teacher, shadow a Sunday school teacher. I'm sure that we could find a place for you. You don't have to commit. It is not a lifelong commitment just because you want to try it. You don't, you aren't signed up forever. But there are just so many places, and you might not even know all of the places that you could be serving. But if you give God your yes, I can guarantee you, he will, he will set you up with the right person and, and get, you, uh, get you where you need to be. I will be honest. I never imagined that he would put me here. That used to terrify me, and, and, and here, here we are. So... <laughs> And the last part, that word invested, I feel like this is often the one that it's going to, it really does require the most of us, our finances, our time. Those are the things that so often are the most difficult to surrender to God. And I think it's because we often think those are the things we can control the most. But anyone who's ever had something unexpected come up, uh, we had water in our basement Friday night half an hour before praise team practice. I mean, those things come up. Our time is really not our own. Our finances are really, they're not our own. We recognize that everything we have is a gift from God and it was his first. So our generosity is merely a reflection of his. He has been so generous to us, so generous to our church, our community, our families. And so as we recognize that and respond in generosity, I really think that honors him. 
there's three different types of giving as I've been studying and just kind of getting ready for this. Um, the first type is just that giving out of obedience. And that's what we refer to as our tithe. Um, all throughout the Bible, you can see where God is asking people to set aside their first fruits. The first, before they plan for their futures, he's asking them to, to send, sacrifice some back to him. So when we think about a tithe, that's just setting aside that first 10% of what we earn. And if you've never tithed before and you think, wait a minute, I need 100% of what I've earned, I would just challenge you to um, to test God on that and see what he's going to do with that 90% when you're willing to realign your finances, realign your budget with that discipline in mind. Um, the second type is generous giving. And this is often pretty easy. You see a need, you meet it, you've got an extra coat. You're like, oh, I only need one coat. I'm going to give this away. So that's kind of that giving that we just, you're just kind of meeting needs. You, you have extra, so it's, it's easy to give that away. Um, generous and sacrificial giving, though, these are both above and beyond tithing. Um, tithes go towards um, paying our staff, paying our mortgage, paying um, our denominational um, budgets, paying for the electricity, all of those things that keep this building running. So there's sometimes the... Uh, the idea that, oh, I'll just reallocate my tithing. Instead of my tithing, I will put it towards something else. And um, in doing that, you are then not supporting this building and our programming. So any giving um, to this campaign really would be above and beyond your normal tithing. Your tithing goes to support our, our local church and to keep it running. So sacrificial giving, this is the hard one. This is the one where you're giving and you feel it. I mean, you're driving past Starbucks going, I'm not going to stop because I'm, I've already given that money. I have that money is already spoken for. So this is the money where you are adjusting your lifestyle. You are giving up things that you want, things that make you comfortable because um, you've bought into this vision that God can do so much more with that money. Yeah, that coffee may make me happy for a half hour, but man, think about the lives that can be changed as we invest in this church and, and in our community. So the return, I can't give you numbers, but that's because people are priceless. When we talk about the return on investing in our church, we are talking about souls in heaven. We are talking about lost people who are saved. We are talking about the kingdom of heaven growing here and now. So that does not have a price tag. We are gonna be working on um, redoing this back wall. You can see some of it's done already, just some areas that we're gonna be highlighting and focusing on places where we are serving and the progress we've made. But we also are going to be putting up a, um, a person uh, like a little cutout of a person for every $1,000 that we have pledged to this campaign because this is about more than money. This is about people. And um, so we want to use that as our visual to know that we really, we are building the kingdom and that is one person at a time. So we've got some big, big goals in this campaign. Um, and honestly, the, to read them all is a little... <laughs> I'm sure you're thinking, oh my goodness, that's a lot to cover in three years, but our God can do anything. And I just keep over and over again saying, okay, God, this is you. I don't have to worry about how it's going to happen because I've given you my yes, and I know that you're going to make it happen. But we are, we are, prayer, uh, we are in prayer that there will be 120, 120 baptisms, salvations, and recommitments. So we're going to group those all together. That's really how we are measuring. Are we reaching our community? Are, are we growing our church by reaching out to the lost in our community. There's some other um, 
goals there, and those will be associated with different ones of our ministry teams, our prayer teams, and our loving teams. But we really want to focus on that 120, because that 120 people goes along with also a goal to raise $120,000 over the next three years. So we're going to have a person on the back wall for every $1,000, and as we have um, recommitments, salvations, baptisms, each of those people is going to get a red heart placed on them because we know that God, God changes our hearts. And so that money that we are investing, it is going to translate into people who are, who are joining the kingdom. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. He's going to talk a little bit more about the numbers part of this campaign. Good morning. So the first slide I kind of have here is our project estimates, what we're trying, or what we're, what our goals are to spend our money on, and I'm sure this is an eye chart. Um, didn't realize till I got here this morning how small some of these things were, but I promise nothing says Swiss bank account in there anywhere. Um, so the first thing you'll see is that we're, we're planning on spending around $55,000 on our building grounds, and and what I want to call out here is that we actually already raised in a, in a previous campaign about a year or two around 20-some, you know, $20,000 just for the parking lot. I'm sure everyone here saw what the parking lot looked like up through a week or two ago. You know, there were lots of uh, gashes in it, um, lots of uh, holes, and uh, that's all filled, and it looks nice now, and there's no more tripping hazards. Uh, so a lot of that money actually was, um, you know, a design to go towards the parking lot, and that's something we've already done. Um, we also uh, have a few other things that I'll be going over through the building and grounds, but that's, that's a large part. That's about 50% of what we're planning on spending the $120,000 on. Uh, and then we also have about 32000 that we've, we're going to commit to the children and youth area and another $19,000 for the foyer and the hallways and the common areas that we're planning on remodeling a bit. And then finally, uh, about 14000 for the sanctuary. So that's, that's just a high-level breakdown of what we're going to be using the money on. We'll be going over key projects next. So you guys can see the building and ground. We've got, uh, again, a large portion of the, what we're raising, probably a third of what we're raising, is just to cover the parking lot. Um, we didn't just have it skimmed and repaved, there were drainage issues. It was draining towards the church. Um, and, you know, when you have water draining towards the foundation, it can be dangerous. So instead of doing this as a temporary patch and just skimming the top and putting a layer back on, which would have been way cheaper, we were, you know, we decided we're gonna be here a while. We, we plan on being in this building for many generations to come. So we did it the right way and we broke everything up and it's now draining properly. And um, you know, we're, we're very thankful for that. Um, another thing that's actually already been done is the steeple and the old entrance door got repainted and uh, redone. There, you know, the, the steeple is cracking in uh, some spots, and, and that's all been repaired. So we've actually already got two of these things done as we kick off the campaign, which is great. Um, and then the next thing that we're going to dedicate some money to is we've got some AC units that need to be replaced and some heat uh, exchangers and compressors that are going out that need to, need to be repaired as well. Um, so that, that's, again, that's 50% of the money that we're spending right there is just the building and grounds, stuff that needs to get done. Um, the, the next is the children and youth area remodel. Uh, you, know, you know, the kids are in the upper sanctuary, and, you know, I've been coming to this church for going on 20 years now, and it looks the same as it did 20 years ago. And I, I think, you know, we, we really need to make that space a warm, welcome, and inviting area for our children. Um, you know, we're, we're not coming at this from the materialistic standpoint, but more so as these families that are coming into our church brand new, you know, that have young kids, that's, 
that's their first impression. You know, they want to feel like their kids are secure and safe and, and in a warm and inviting place. And, and what our plan is to do with that space is essentially do a complete remodel and take it from being the old sanctuary and making it into a children's and youth area. Um, so there's going to be a lot of work done there. Uh, you know, redo the flooring, uh, purchase some furniture and electronics uh, for that space. Uh, you know, maybe get rid of some of the old couches that we have in there. And uh, we also want to purchase just another AED uh, device. I think we've already got one in the gym. Yes, we purchased a year or two ago. We wanted to get one more in that space just so we have one on both ends of the sanctuary. And then the, the next project, and, and by the way, most of the, these are primarily in priority order. We're trying to take care of the building grounds first, children area next, and then we're going to get into the foyer hallway and the common areas. Um, a, a lot of this is, is just, you know, simple stuff, you know, signage, flooring, um, and how long have we had the carpet? Um, 20, 25 years? Um, a, a long time. We've had the carpet here for a long time. Um, it, it needs to be replaced, um, and, and we're also going to, you know, repaint everything and add some welcome centers and, and, like I said, add some signage so that people know which classroom is which and how to, how to get from one location to another, which is, again, very important for our, our new guests and new people that are visiting. Uh, and then finally, the last uh, section is uh, just a sanctuary update. There's just a few little projects we were wanting to do in the sanctuary, um, you know, redo some of the carpeting and some of the lighting in here. Um, those are primarily the key projects that we're planning on doing with this $120,000. Um, if you guys have any additional questions on that, please feel free to reach out to Mara or I, and we can give you more information. So making our goals a reality. Um, you know, this, this is where I, I kind of struggled on, you know, I, I'm not used to getting up in front of a large audience and talking, and it's not on the easiest subject to talk about finances. You know, it makes everyone a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and actually, I, I thought about, well, I could, you know, I could put up here a, a bunch of different slides on, on how we can meet our goal, but, but really it comes down to everyone just praying and asking God what, what, they would, what, what he would have them give. You know, everyone's in a different place financially. I, I don't know where anyone in here is, um, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't presume to. But, you know, I, I do know that there are ways that people can make sacrifices so that we can do these things that God's calling us to here in, here in this building. Um, you know, I, I actually mentioned to pastor, like, oh, you know, maybe we could mention, like, tax returns. Maybe everyone would be willing to commit a portion of tax returns. And then he reminded me that he owes money to the IRS each year. And he, he wanted to know how that worked out. So, well, I'll just answer that right, right now, put that rumor aside. It doesn't work the opposite way. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, the average annual tax return is $3,000. You know, would you be willing to consider putting a portion of that for three years aside and giving it to God, giving it to this church so that we can continue to meet the needs of our congregation, the people in our community? Um, you know, cutting back, you know, Mara was mentioning sacrificial giving, you know, what are you willing to do to make sure that we meet the needs of our community? You know, are you willing to cut back on eating out? Are you willing to make your coffee at home instead of going out and getting your Starbucks each morning? I mean, I, I did a quick math on that. You can save six to $800 just by not going to Starbucks and making it at home. Um, so again, I, I mentioned a minute ago, but I, I would just ask, you know, I'm not going to stand up in front of you this morning and say, you know, I want to collect all these pledge cards today. You know, I, in fact, I, I feel like I'll challenge you guys to something even more difficult. Go home today, pray about this, 
if you have a spouse, talk with your spouse about it. And just consider what God is calling you to do in this campaign. Um, and, and, and the final thing I just want to say here is, you know, you, even if you pray about it and you're in a tough, you know, tough financial situation, even if you can only give a couple dollars a month, if you can only commit a couple dollars a month, we'd love to see everyone in this church being all in. You know, it doesn't take a lot to make a difference. And, and we just, we want to see everyone just involved in this. Good news. We've already reached out to the board, some of the key ministry people at our, at our church. We've already got 33,500 committed of the 120, which is a great start in my opinion. That's, that's 28% of our goal. We're already 28% of the way there. You know, we need your help getting the other 72% of the way there. Um, and we believe that can happen. Um, so what's next? We're going to be giving an update probably, I think, either on July 22nd or July 29th. Um, we hope that you guys will please turn these cards in by July 9th, 8th. I wrote down the date, but I, I can't find it on my sheet. But the 8th, thank you. So we're, we're really hoping that you will submit those cards by July 8th. You can turn them into the boxes in the back. You can turn them into the offering. You can hand them to Mara or I. You can hand them to Harold. Um, but I would just ask that you prayerfully consider over the next week uh, or two what God is calling you to do. Sorry, last thing. So if you if you are ready, if you've looked at that commitment card and you've been praying about it the past couple of weeks, you can turn those into the connection um, card boxes. Um, but if not yet, just please be praying about it. Uh, God may give you a number that sounds crazy. I mean, he... He, he did to us. I mean, I lost my job in January. I'll just uh, tell you all. So our financial situation has changed drastically. Uh, this is the first time since we've been married that we're really not a two-income household. So I feel like um, even with that, I'm like, okay, this is, this is important, though. This is something that's worth giving to. Um, we're going to do communion a little different this morning. Pastor Paul's going to come and give uh, more directions. But there is a banner at the back. Um, it's four feet by eight feet. It's huge. And it says all in. And this morning, I mean, if you're not ready to make a commitment, that's okay. You can still pledge to being all in. We're going to be all in for our church, all in for our community, all in for our families. And if you are willing to make that, make that pledge this morning as we dismiss for communion, I invite you to walk to the back first, sign your name on that banner, which is going to go up on the wall, um, and then you'll come up to the front to receive communion. And I really do. I really think we're going to look back on this day, three years from now, we are going to have surpassed our goal. God is going to move so big, and we are all going to say, wow, I remember this day because this was the start of something big.